This is the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, episode 187. Every state has an area, several areas outside of the major um, um, city that everybody wants to play in. Every state, I don't care what, what state, pick, throw a dart on the wall. There is a, there's going to be areas just outside of your area where you can play. So it's okay to humble yourself and admit the truth that you can't move in the manner how you want to move because the market is too aggressive. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your real estate investing journey. Um, so Ashley Kerr, the wonderful co-host from the beautiful state of New York, what's, uh, what's going on? Well, first of all, talking about beautiful, I just checked the weather for next week. And yeah. finally, we're going to get in the 80s. There you go. Like high, like se- high of 78, high yeah. of 80 a couple of days next week. Yeah. So That's funny. Yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to that. I, 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 and I'm looking at myself right now in the, the recording here, and I feel like I'm pretty washed out. I got my white sweater on. I got a white background, my white AirPods, and then my white pale skin. So I, I'm looking forward to some sun. That's, you know, when you said, speaking of beautiful, I checked out. I thought you were going to say like a mirror or something, and that you were like blown away with how beautiful you felt about yourself. But you're just talking about the weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how are things on the business side? What's, uh, what's cooking? Yeah, um, doing good. I'm. We're getting pretty close to finishing our A-frame cabin, which is so awesome. exciting. I finished the tile selections today, so um, that project I can't wait to be done because it's the first project that I tackled with uh, my new business partner. Mm-hmm. So it'll be his first uh, investment property under his belt. So I'm really excited uh, to see that finish. And you've been doing a great job of sharing that on your Instagram. So if you guys aren't following Ashley, be sure to follow her at Wealth from Rentals. You guys can follow me at Tony J. Robinson. But I've loved seeing uh, seeing that one come along. How, how much more time do you think you guys need before it's like live and up and running? I would say we probably have like a month left. Okay. All right. On it. That's yeah. awesome. What about you? What's new with your projects? Because you have how many flips going on right now or rehabs? Yeah, we have four active rehabs going on right now. Um, we literally just walked a property yesterday that I think they're going to accept our offer on, so that'll put us at five. And it's been it's been a challenge. Like, um, you know, we we've got a crew that we work with out in Joshua Tree, but you know, he he's kind of running at the red line right now as well. So he's been struggling to find more guys for his crew. So he came back to us yesterday and said, Hey, I, I think the most that I can handle at one time is like three flips. Um, so he's already over capacity. So we've, we've experimented with some other uh, crews out in Joshua tree and you know, none of them have really worked out. The last one, we literally had to like pull them from the job uh, halfway through just because it, it wasn't working out. So finding good people has been, been a big challenge for us but you know we're we're not gonna let that stop us we just got to go out there keep looking for more folks and you know hopefully we'll get we'll get lucky and find somebody i know we have an episode to get into but let me ask you when you pulled that contractor Mm -hmm. how hard was it or how did you find somebody to replace them like immediately to like get in there so we, yeah, so we, we pulled him and then we had our, our main crew that, that were working on other houses and we just pulled them and said, Hey, don't touch anything on, on the houses you're working on. Just please come finish this job first and then go back okay. to the other one. So we literally had to stop work on our other projects mm-hmm. to free up that manpower. So it's, it's been a, it's been a challenge for sure. All, all the joys of being a real estate investor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 
But that does kind of tie into today's episode, right? Because today's episode, uh, we have Welby Aselli, and he's an investor who uh, who lives in New York, but invests in uh, in Connecticut. And his whole strategy is uh, flipping houses to build capital and then dumping that flip capital into buy and hold rentals. And he does a really good job of talking about how he chooses, uh, how he chose his market, how he kind of built his team and expanded his team, how he manages his rehabs. Um, and just really listen for the part two where he talks about the the mindset and the discipline that kind of goes into his business and how that's allowed him to kind of scale the way that he has. Yeah, it, this is definitely an episode to get you guys pumped up and motivated. Uh, Welby, you can tell, you can feel his passion <laughs> totally. as he's talking about real estate investing. Um, so make sure you guys have a notepad ready, take notes. He does go through a lot of numbers on deals to give you guys examples. So um, I think that's great. You can see what you know how he actually figures out what his numbers are and figure out the ARV on a property before he's even you know putting in offers and how that's really important to him the ARV which is the after repair value of a property yeah. So before we bring him in, also, if you guys haven't yet, please do us a big favor. Uh, leave us an honest rating and review on whatever platform it is you're listening to this podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more people we're able to reach. And obviously, that's a big goal of us here on the podcast is to help more rookie investors just like you. So do us a favor, leave an honest rating and review. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Welby, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for coming on. Obviously, you are not a rookie investor. We're not going to get too much into your backstory. Um, if anyone wants to check out your Bigger Pockets OG episode, that can be found on episode number 464. But today we have brought you on because we want your expertise on your strategy. So you want to start off just kind of telling us what your strategy is? Um, well, I'm mostly known for flipping properties. So I'd say in the last uh, three and a half, four years, I've done well over 100 plus flips. And uh, the strategy basically for me is that in real estate, you need money, even though there's a narrative that you don't need money, but you need to have the money come from somewhere. So where I found where I can get the money is I flip properties, generated income from those properties. I stayed disciplined enough not to spend that money on frivolous things like buying a new car or lavish trips. And I stayed disciplined to then utilize that monies as down payment monies to acquire rental properties. So that's basically the gist of that. And then I'm sure we could go into more details about um, what I do in that process. Before we even get into that, I want to know, how do you have the discipline to do that? Is there, you know, did you, were you always have a strong financial foundation? Um, you know, what was, what was your personal finances like that when you started to get into real estate, you knew that you had to save, you had to save that capital from the flip houses to invest into long-term rentals? Well, you're, you're too kind because I'm not as smart as people might think that I am. I'm not. What, what, it's a lot of trial and error. When I first started in this real estate business, I talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of real estate, which is why a lot of people um, in, in, in our line of business gets turned off by me because I give the people the truth and I give the people the, my experiences. So um, as I said, again, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Um, I took a lot of the information that was presented to me. I started back in 2004 and it looked simple. It's supposed to be, Hey, you want to get up tomorrow morning and be a real estate investor and just get up and be a real estate investor. It's going to work. So when I bought my first property, my first initial properties, I was buying them basically with 106% financing. If anybody understands what happened with the subprime mortgages, I was buying them with 106% financing. I didn't understand cash flow. I didn't understand ROI. I didn't understand purchasing correctly. I was buying just to buy. And I felt that because I was able to get qualified to get a mortgage, I won. Like a lot of people do today. They think that they won because they were able to get qualified. So I lost if you guys go to my Bigger Pockets interview, number 464, shameless plug. If you guys go to that, I talk in detail about it took how it took me from my initial start 13 years to start realizing um, the mistakes that I was making. And within those mistakes, to answer your question, the importance of being disciplined. Um, having uh, cash reserves, the importance of why utilizing, having down payment, understanding your numbers was so important. So it was a lot of me losing, trial and error, making major mistakes is what gave me the discipline to understand the importance of what I'm doing today. There's a lot of important lessons to be learned uh, when you're you're kind of getting beat up by life, right? And and we talk about that a lot in the podcast. How those sometimes those darkest moments uh, kind of give you the the momentum you need to to go forward and, and find success eventually. So uh, before we keep going, Welby, can you just give us an overview of kind of where your business looks today? So I know you've mentioned that you did a uh, hundred flips in the last four years, which is incredible. Uh, but what about on the on the holding side? How many units do you have currently? Don't hold it. Here's, here's the thing. What I Right now, I go up and down as far as the holdings that I have. So I mm -hmm. still continue flipping. Uh, last, last year, 20, 
2021 was last year. Yeah, I I did just a, just about 20 flips last year. This year it's a little bit slow because we, obviously you guys see what's going on with the, the 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 after effects of the pandemic. So I'm at around maybe six or so, seven. I gotta check. Uh, as far as my rental portfolio, I go up and down and I fluctuate. But here's the thing I wanna I wanna say. The reason why I don't promote quote unquote doors is because it's a misrepresentation to people. Totally. What happens is is that people are more concerned about being 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 sensational on saying, "Hey, I got a thousand doors. I got a million doors. I got five hundred doors. I got fifty doors." I know people that have tripled the amount of doors that I have and don't make half the money in net income. And it's very mm-hmm. important that people understand net income is what you put in your pocket. Don't make as half the net income that I make. So I don't really push that narrative of, hey, I have X amount of doors because it's a false representation of, to people, especially for the new, the new investors walking in the business, not understanding the business, that it's not about the quantity, it's more about the quality. Uh, I love that breakdown, Wobby, because I think that's that is a misconception that a lot of new investors have is that they're just focused on how many doors can I get to. But like you said, like if I could have a thousand dollars in net cash flow with two units versus a thousand dollars in net cash flow with twenty, I'm probably going to go with two because it's less headache. So if you can maximize the revenue per unit, there's there's something to be had there. That that's that's my primary focus is 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 the quality of what I have. Compare um, in, in in relations to what it cost me to acquire it, to how fast I could recoup that initial investment, to then basically have infinite return, not having none of my own money in 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 that actual property. So if I could give a really quick example, the reason why I state that I'm from New York, right? And but I do most of my business in Connecticut. I have a good friend of mine who's in the real estate business as well. I have a a four unit building that after all expenses, I'm netting roughly around $3,600 a month. Well, actually it's a six unit I'm talking about now. I'm netting in that six unit just over $5,000 a month. I purchased that property at 270000 but its value is well over $550,000, So I have a 50% appreciation on that property. A good friend of mine was looking at a property that was a 12 unit. He was paying $1.2 million for that property. And all he kept thinking about is that he got a property that he paid $1.2 million and it's so big, it's 12 units. By the time he finished breaking everything down and putting down a down payment, his down payment would have been with 20%, roughly about 200, 220,000, give or take. He was going to be netting roughly $5,000 a month in net income. So now it took him to make that $5,000 in net income, $200,000 of down payment money, while it took, it cost me $70,000 of down payment money to make the same money in net income. And which means if I would have duplicated what I did times three to match how much he spent, I would be making roughly $15,000 for the same debt that he's making 5,000. So it goes right back to the point I'm saying about the quality, the quantities doesn't mean that you have a better quality, but he couldn't get that in his, he could not wrap that around, wrap it around in his mind because all he kept saying in his mind is he's got a 12 unit building. Well, I could tell you now, as he's owned it, how many years now he's owned it? We both bought ours roughly simultaneously. He wished that he bought what I bought now because now he understands. So um, I hope that uh, that 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 uh, breakdown helps you out a little bit. 
That was a great example. I think you really broke that down and gave two really good examples of, you know, they're different door amounts, different price yeah. points, but really at the end, that's what you care about. And I think if you are going to set a goal of say you want a hundred doors, you're setting that goal because you know you're purchasing properties where the cash flow is $300 per door and you're putting 20% down or you're doing a burn, you're not putting any money in. So if you are setting that goal of how many doors you want, make sure you're working you know, you're starting with a dollar amount or something that's that's your goal, but then you're working backwards and saying, okay, I need a hundred doors to get to that dollar amount and not just saying, I want a hundred doors <laughs> just to just to accumulate. You just make my heart skip. I just I love <laughs> the reason why I love it is because I'm so passionate about this business. I'm so passionate about educating the people because mm-hmm. that those fundamentals people don't understand the importance of the fundamentals that you broke, what you just said. And people that are in the industry that are doing this business to scale, if you ask the, the same a question, the odds are we're going to come up with the roughly the same answer, maybe presented differently, but the rough at the end, the result will be the same answer because we understand the fundamentals of that. So you saying that is wonderful. I, I'm, I'm, I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> Well, we, what kind of properties are you actually going after? So you mentioned you had a six unit. Um, are you doing like single family flips and then small multifamily um, on the rental side? What does that kind of look like? Well, I, I focus on what my market gives me. So I, this is why I tell people you have to understand, which I'm, I think we'll talk about when I say I, I, I do, uh, 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 excuse my word, if I'm saying it right, reconnaissance, if you know somebody that's in, 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 in the army or whatever, right? I go and I, I, I scope out the environment I'm looking to invest in. And based off of the environment that I'm looking to invest in, I, I deal with what the environment gives me. I don't force it. So in areas that I'm investing in, so if I'm buying a single family home, I already know from the out the door, I'm buying a single family home with the intent of flipping it to sell for profit. If it doesn't align up with what I have to acquire the property for to what it's going to cost me to rehab it to what I'll be ultimately able to sell it for, I'm not buying it. If I do buy it and I know with a strong estimate, I project to be able to profit X amount of money after all expenses are paid. Um, I might even do the same approach on a duplex, right? Um, um, cause I'm not looking to keep even a duplex. I'm going to, my intent is to purchase that property with intentions of fixing it, renov- excuse me, acquiring it correctly to renovate it, to ultimately sell it, to flip. But then I'll be looking for a different type of client because that is the odds are the person that will be buying that property might be a person that's looking to move in one unit as their primary residence and then rent out the other for the assistance of what the rental unit can, can, can provide them outside of that. Anything that I purchase, three units or more, I already know my intentions is to keep it. So that's pretty much it. Anything that's one or two, one, I'm definitely flipping it. Two, I'm pretty much flipping it. Three units, four units, five units, six units, seven units, I'm keeping those for, for, for long-term holds. So, Wobby, I, w- I want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of your of your strategy here, because I think it's it's a really powerful one for a lot of new investors to to leverage. And I, I think your point at the beginning of the episode about there being this mis, uh, misunderstanding in the world of real estate investing that you don't need capital, but you do need money. It doesn't always necessarily have to be your money, but the money has to come from somewhere, right? So I, I definitely want to get into how you're, you're leveraging that piece. But I think if we if we take a big step back and we just kind of go 30,000... 
Yeah. Can I say yeah. Too, please? You made my heart skip as well. <laughs> you made my yeah. heart skip as well. I love it, man. I just yeah. love it. Yes. Yes, good. Yes, correct. correct. The, the money's got to come from somewhere, right? Yes. Um, but I want to I want to kind of take like a thirty thousand foot view of your strategy. Maybe you can kind of walk us through step by step. So if I'm if I'm a complete rookie, and let me I just want to clarify this as well, right? So you're you're in New York, but you said you're investing in Connecticut, right? So you're investing out of state. Um, so if if I'm a rookie. How do I go about choosing which market to even get started in? Because uh, I guess walk us through your decision making. Why not invest in your own backyard versus going to going to Connecticut? Well, here's the trick, though. Connecticut is my backyard. It's literally an hour, hour, hour and a half tops drive. Mm-hmm. So it is my backyard. So people have a misconception of investing out of state means that you have to catch a flight to go and look at your properties. So I used to invest in Atlanta. While I was living in New York, one of my downfalls of why that wasn't a success, one is because of the lack of knowledge that I had, and two, to be frank, it was just too far away from me to mind my business, to handle my business, to take care of my business, right? I was depending on other people, i.e. property managers and uh, um, out-of-state realtors that 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 I can't keep my pulse on the finger of my business to confirm what was being represented to me, especially as a, as a new investor at the time. So of course now everybody know New York is one of the most expensive cities in the world. I did a lot of business in New York, but then what happened is I realized that with all of my um, mistakes, all of my losses, because I got wiped out multiple times trying to build this business up, right, to zero. Right. Mm-hmm. I realized that New York was the big fishes out here and I was a bit too small to play in the manner that I wanted to play. But I had made enough experience. I made enough money. And I realized that I don't have to go too far away from my backyard to find other markets that can allow me to walk in at the financial level that I'm at at that mm-hmm. time. So I looked around and um, I could have went upstate New York, just like any other state that you want to. Every state has an area, several areas outside of the major um, um, city that everybody wants to play in. Every state, I don't care what, what state, pick, throw a dart on the wall. There is a, there's going to be areas just outside of your area where you can play. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to humble yourself and admit the truth that you can't move in the manner how you want to move because the market is too aggressive. That's one. Two, New York is predominantly great for appreciation, aggressive appreciation. What people don't want to accept with what a lot of influencers are putting out to the to the to the to the to the to the country is that they want people to believe that the way that things are appreciating in New York. Los Angeles, Seattle, California, big cities. Most of America does not appreciate like that. So you have to understand that you're, you're, that I had to understand um, that I, I had to start focusing on cash flow. I had to start focusing on cash flow. And the cash flow in the manner how I wanted it, I was not going to get it here in New York. So then by accident, I would say a friend of mine said to me, hey, you know, why don't you come to Connecticut? He's lived in Connecticut. And it was really by accident, by the grace of God, by me talking and conversing with people, networking. I was told, why don't you come out to Connecticut? When I went out to Connecticut, 
is when I started doing my investigating, looking at all the different towns, the different opportunities, then I realized the way I wanted to, that I could play here because I had bigger city money, I could do it in Connecticut. So that's what I started doing. So, well, but you mentioned something I think that is super, super important. And you said that um, even though you could get appreciation in New York, that wasn't what your goal was initially for real estate investing. So as a rookie, you have to think about what is your goal as you get into this? Is your goal to build long-term appreciation so that when you retire, you have you know a multi-million dollar net worth? Or is your goal to build up cash flow in the short term so that maybe you can walk away from your job? Because those, those two goals are going to dictate very different uh, approaches and strategies when it comes to real estate investing. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a really important lesson, Bobby. So I want to make sure we didn't, we didn't skip that. May I add to that too, if you don't mind, I give examples. I have everything I speak on. I have world examples because this is what I've been through. Anything I talk to you guys about is not what I heard. This is what I do, did, or I'm going through. Right. So I have a, another friend of mine in the New York area. Cause everybody wants to invest with me now. Right. He bought himself a, I think it was a three unit building in Long Island, he paid 700000 for the property, right? Um, the mortgage on it, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but with taxes and everything, his mortgage and everything was, had to be close to like six, $7,000. He had three units. Everything's about the math for me. He, could, he was renting out each floor for roughly $2,500. $2,500 times three is $7,500 a, a, a month. So he was netting, netting after all expenses, I don't know if I off the top of my head, roughly $1,500. Now that's cool. I'm not telling you that you right or wrong, but then I gave him another example of exactly a property that I have in Connecticut that I bought for three, that was a three unit that at the time I purchased it, I paid $120,000 at the time. When I'm looking at properties, I'm looking at properties this way. It has to be distressed and or underperforming. Those are the two keys for me distressed and or underperforming. So I bought a property for 120 that was worth by the time I would be done to it at that time, 300,000. So I had over 50% of potential appreciation by the time I start adding value to that property. But before I even owned the property, I already knew that that property that was a three family, there was a, 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 a walk, excuse me, a street level basement, which I knew I could convert to a legal apartment. So now that three family, I knew I could make it a four family. Before I even owned that property with the relationships I have with the city, with the programs that I have, I knew off the top, I was going to be able to generate out of that building well over 5,000 plus on that property. That property today is worth over 400 and something thousand, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, I bought it for 120. I put 20% down, right? I, I was financing 90,000 on a property that's worth three quarters the price that I purchased it originally. The net cash flow on that building to date is $3,600 a month. So I got, uh, I got right now over 300,000 in equity with a cash flow of over $3,500 a month. My net, my net uh, 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 worth compared to the two buildings is higher than his. Yet he paid way more than mine. You understand? So this is why it's so important that it's everything in this real estate business is about the numbers. Everything is about the numbers. And, and what, what Ashley had broken down, what she said, which was beautiful on how you calculate what you can 
rent out each apartment for to what it cost you with your mortgage taxes, insurance and everything subtracted by whatever. That's what you got to do. And if the numbers don't add up, you have to be have the strength to say, this is not a deal for me. I'm going to walk away. Well, B, that's a great point. Don't get emotionally attached just to get that unit count, too. Is that's that right. emotional side of it. Like, oh, you know what? I haven't gotten a deal this month. I'm just going to buy this and I'll, I'll make it work. And also Absolutely. don't fudge, fudge to the numbers either to make the deal work. Make sure that you're using accurate numbers that you verify. So yeah. I want to know about your team. Uh, what kind of team have you put in place and what advice would you give to rookie listeners as to like the first person or maybe a couple people they need to add to their team if they want to start doing flips and purchasing buy and hold property? And how to find them if you can, Wilby. I think that's like yeah. a, a really critical piece today too. My, believe it or not, my team um, started out with just a father and son. That's how I started with my team. Uh, to date now, we grew the team to, um, I, would, I would say, consistently six, seven people. But then we have an extension of the team from subcontractors that we use, right? Mm-hmm. So how I started all out with, it's okay. Stop trying to chase everybody else, what everybody else is supposedly doing. I've met a lot of these people and... Listen, I'm sure you guys have met them too. And you know what I'm trying to say. It's not what you think it is. You understand? So it's okay to humble yourself and 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 and, and real, understand that this is a marathon. It's not a race. So I started off with a father and son. When I started off with a father and son, I it's so important as an investor. So all you new investors, understand that this this ship, this car, this boat does not move without you. So I need you to be empowered to understand that this ship, this car, this boat does not move without you. Given the fact that you understand that you need to make sure that you educate yourself enough to then be the captain of your ship, to direct the people that work for you. So given the fact that I understood the process of what to look for when I was looking for my first flip, how much I should buy that property for. Then I went through the process of understanding a rough estimate of how much it's going to cost me to rehab. I made sure I purchased the property correctly. Then I started with my 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 friend's father and his son, and they they those were the two guys that essentially renovated a lipstick property for me. I didn't get a gut job. I didn't get a property that was destroyed. I just got a property that you just gonna show it a little bit of love, put it back on the market, and sell. So we actually grew together. So in our first year. We well, let me did. let me ask this, Welby. Let me ask this before you go on. So, like, how how did you find those two guys, right? Because you well, said you we started were, with the husband. We were we were we were friends, right? Okay. We were friends, and they had ambition not to do what I do. They wanted to do construction. They knew how to do sheetrock work. Uh, they knew how to do uh, uh, um, you know a little bit of electrical stuff like that. Listen, we all understand in this business there's gray areas. You got to do what you got to do, you know. Right. So that's how it started. I had to get in and get started. But what I had to right. do too is I had to understand that that was the two first people I started with. Then I had to get introduced to realtors in the area. Most realtors will not understand the mindset of an investor. Every realtor thinks that they do because most realtors just understand if it's for an investor, selling it to him hopefully low so that he can sell it high. No, it's more than that. So I had to educate the realtors, even the realtors that had more years on this planet than I did in the business, had to explain to them, I'm going to be 
I need you to give me what that value of that home is going to be when I beautify it to the standards of what you're telling me it needs to be. I need you to give me the ARV of this property. When they would tell me what the ARV of this property is, I would know roughly, I'm sure most of you people know what the 70% rule is. It works. I would calculate what my what, what, what the, the numbers and then present to her, this is what my offer is. Most realtors, if they understand the way that us as investors uh, um, have to move, they're not going to want to work with you. That's the truth. You got to, because most realtors do not want to work as hard as you need them to work with you to accomplish the goals that you want. So you have to kiss a lot of frogs in this business, <laughs> people. You're going to have to kiss a lot of them. And Wobby, that's true for every person that you bring on your team, right? Like you're probably going to have to go through several contractors. You're going to have to go through several yes. insurance agents, title yes. companies. Like I've cycled through all those different people yes. as, we've, as we've built our business. But when you find the people that work, you got to make sure that you treat them right, that you you make it a mutually beneficial relationship. So one- and, and, and if you if you understand the root of it for everybody else, it's about money. No, yes, hopefully we're going to be fun, become friends and, and maybe family, but everybody's coming to this table because they see you as an opportunity to make money from you. Mm -hmm. Some people, some, some realtors want to make you believe it's a partnership. Some mortgage people want you to believe that it's a partnership. No, it's not. No, it's not. Let's be, let's be real about it. You guys all work for the investor because the investor is the only one that has a calculated risk in this equation. The only one. Nobody else has to sign that contract. Nobody else has to guarantee that loan. Nobody else but 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 that investor. So uh, um, I, I, I want to empower investors, new investors, old investors, that this does not move without you. Yeah. So, well, but you gave a really good example of how you've kind of built your team out in that that market. And obviously, the, the realtor is an important piece of that because they're the ones that are helping you find the deals that are going to make sense. Um, and you mentioned the 70% rule. I just want to recap what that is really quick for our listeners. So ideally, if you're able to purchase a distressed property where the purchase price and the rehab come to about 70% of the after repair value, then typically you know that you're gonna be able to turn a decent profit on that. So, well, B, as you're working with these realtors, um, what kind of properties are you telling them to look for uh, for your business? Like, what is your criteria when searching for, for a new flip? I'm not limited to anything. I don't care if it's a if it's a auction property, because you got a lot of people that get caught up about the source of where you find that property. That's irrelevant. The process of you, uh, the process of you evaluating a property to understand if it's a good deal or not is irrelevant to the source of where you get in that property. So I don't care if it's an auction. I don't care if it's coming from uh, a, a, a family friend. I don't care if it's word of mouth. I don't care if it's off the MLS. And give you guys a secret, 90% of the properties that I buy that I flipped has come off the MLS. That's irrelevant. So, so the source of where I get the properties are irrelevant. The number one question that needs to be answered, and I tell every investor, please listen to me with this. You have to lead with ARV. That's your number one question that you have to ask at all times. The ARV gives you the follow through on everything else that you need to be able to calculate to determine what your maximum offer is going to be. So who cares what they telling you that, it, that that you could rehab it for if you don't know what the ARV is? Who cares what you can do with anything involving that property if you don't understand that? So um, I tell everybody, always lead with the question of what is the ARV of that property, especially when we're talking about a flip.
Well, when you are analyzing your deals, when you're going through how, well, first of all, before even that, I want to know about the MLS. You said 90% of your deals are from there. And I think very common thing we hear is there's no deals on the MLS. How can I find deals? So can you let us know what is your secret and how are you making deals work on the MLS? Is it just throwing out lowball offers? Is it looking for, you know, uh, listings that have been on the market for a long time? Why do you think that you're getting so many deals on the MLS? Well, if you, if you, if you look at the amount of offers that I put out to how many I get told no to, excuse me, did I actually, let me say that again. If you look at how many offers I put out to how many I get a yes to, I'm doing horrible. But that's the nature of the business. So new investors don't understand that. You have to put in, especially in a regular market, you have to put in, sometimes I put in 100 offers and I get told no to all 100 of them. But that I just need that one yes. Now, as far as what do I look for, I don't look for anything. The, what I do is, here's the thing. Every, for everybody to ask as an investor, do you need to be licensed? No, you don't. I don't have a license to do anything in this business. I just have a legal right to be in this business as an American. So everybody has a right to be in this business. Now, everybody that's going to be working with you, i.e., what I call my five, my starting five, my realtor, my contractor, my attorney, my accountant, my, uh, where's the last because I wrote it down because I know I was going to forget my funding source, my mortgage lenders, whomever, every one of those people that are wrapped around you have to be licensed to be able to provide that service to you, except you given the fact that these people, so we talk about the realtor, I don't have to do anything. Let the subject matter expert, which is your realtor do the job. You give them the criteria of where you need to be at. After a while of you working with your realtor, your realtor is going to see a property on the MLS or see a property driving and just know Welby is going to buy that property if I sell it to him. You understand? So let your realtor do the job. Let your realtor go through, break down to your realtor what your quick criteria are going to be. So in my area, I'm looking for properties I can add value to. I'm not looking for a property that was listed by an owner that's looking just to sell at retail price. I'm not looking for anything to be purchased at retail price. I need the realtor when they present it to me. My realtor has to present to me real simple. Hey, Welby, I found another property in the area that you're in. The ARV is this. That's all I need. That's all I need. Based off of that basic information, we all have these cell phones, right? Let the cell phone work for you. We all have the same way we have Twitter, Instagram, and all those other apps. We also have apps for us investors. What are they called? Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com. Use the app. Look in, look, click on the app and look at the photos through the app. Look at the square footage of the property that you're looking to buy. Look at the look look at the, the 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 area that the property is in. If you start doing enough work in the area, you're gonna be able to come up with a strong, which I talk about in my courses and I talk about in my books and stuff. You'll be able to come with a strong estimate so that you could put your offer in. Put your offer in and let it and leave it to God. At least you in the game because you put your offer in. Now, as an investor, the odds are you're gonna be told no. That's just the odds. You're going to be told no more than you're going to be told yes. That's okay. Keep going. Eventually, you're going to get a phone call from your realtor. Guess what? 
They told they yes. accepted the offer. Yes. Right. You keep yeah. pushing this hard enough. Believe it or not, I've had weeks where I've gotten accepted offers of, of 10 houses. I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with all 10. <laughs> you know, you know, so you gotta you gotta keep keep pushing, pushing, pushing. You just can't stop. So, well, we, we talked a little bit about how you chose your market, how you've built this this team of your, your starting five around you. Um, but what about like actually managing the, the rehabs? Are you like going to the job sites every week or do you have your team doing that? Are you picking the materials? And if so, how are you determining between, you know, your flip houses versus your rentals? Like just walk us through your, your process for managing your rehabs. You're never going to do this business to scale if you're doing everything by yourself. Hmm. When I first started, I was out in the field. I'm, I'm, I'm still out in the field, but I was more out in the field involved in a project. While I was caught up in a project, I could not go out there to get more projects, which meant I couldn't keep the guys that's working for me busy. So what I did is the position that I was in, in the field with my guys, I talked to my guy, his name is Jeff, Luso Home Improvement for everybody, right? And I said to Jeff, Jeff, you're going to have to take my position what I'm doing with you out here. You're going to have to pull in whomever, your father, whomever, into your position, and you're going to have to pull someone else outside and find somebody to stand in the position your father was in. That's how we started doing it, so that I could slowly wean myself away so I could focus on scaling. So, because, once again, we got these smartphones, if there's an issue, you better call me on WhatsApp, FaceTime, show me where you at with things, when you start building up enough with that, they start to understand when you start doing enough of these flips, it's not HGTV. We're not building theme houses. We're not building the Count Dracula house today and the princess house tomorrow. Every property that you're going to do, the formula is going to be the same. The gray tone walls with the white trim is what's been in style for the last 10 years. So we have buckets of those in our warehouse. So we already know when we bought the property, this is what we coloring, we coloring all the walls with after we fix all the walls. If the kitchen layout can be an open floor plan, you don't have to ask me, well, should we open up a floor plan or not? We've done enough. You already know we're knocking down these walls. We have to renovate the bathrooms. We have to renovate uh, um, um, the floors or, or, or re, um, um, reno, uh, re resurface the floors. When you start doing enough of these, the same thing you did in the first one is what you're going to do in the second, third fourth, fifth, et cetera. So you want to try to automate your business as much as possible so that the people that are working for you don't have to think too much. They already know what they have to do. So that's how, that's what I do. And then I do, I, I maintain a lot of my business through my phone. So I keep up with them through video chats and, and updates and things of that nature. Is there any software or apps that you're using that kind of correlate with just keeping up on everything on your, your cell phone? I mean, are you using like spreadsheets to kind of track the rehabs? Do you have a dashboard you can look at? I have a program. I can't remember it off the top of my name where it's an online software that I, I paid a bunch of money for it. But it's great when it comes to flips that I am uh, able to keep track of what was spent. Um, and I could tell you to the penny. By the time the project is done, how much I made. Years before, if you would have asked me, Welby, when you, you, you sold that flip, how much money you made, it was guessing. I didn't know. I could tell you to the penny how much that I made on each, on each of my properties. Also, too, I learned how to simplify uh, 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 my process. So I give an example. Most of the, 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 the rookies that you're gonna, you guys are going to be speaking to are going to be utilizing hard money. 
hard money is going to be based off of they're going to be um re re um what's the word not refinance um, not refinance uh uh drawing you drawing you uh uh the, the monies that you pay when you're when you're rehabbing they're going to draw you x amount of funds for the rehab that was done reimbursed that's what i want to say i'm sorry okay. they're going to reimburse you based off of the monies that you spent off the draws i show the people how sometimes new investors make the the uh uh the 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 scope of work too complicated you hmm. i show you how to simplify the scope of work so that you can get your monies from the hard money lender faster while you're doing your project so everything for me is to make everything as simple as possible which is why people think when they watch me on instagram that i make it look easy no it's just it's just i've been through a lot where i'm trying to simplify my process as much as possible so that i could make my life a lot easier can you elaborate on that a bit, Welby? So you say simplifying the scope of work and just kind of simplifying the process. Like, does that mean that you're like, are you are you just paying the contractors more money up front? That way that your your draws are, are you know easier. Or like, what does that process look like? For myself, with with with, with a scope of work, when I was saying that, you'll see a rookie when they'll give a scope of work to a to a a hard money lender, they will give. It's basically a spreadsheet with lines on it. And obviously to the left, you see one, two, three, four, five, six. And let's say hypothetically, the, the scope of work was going to add up to $60,000. The rookie will have 50 lines and they will, they will break down the screws, the hand fixtures, the sheetrock, and they make it complicated. So now what will happen is now when you now want to do a draw, the inspector that's coming to the property, they're going to have to go based off of the scope of work. And they're not going to reimburse you until you 100% completed based off of the areas of the scope of work. Myself, with the same scope of work that would have been 60000 my lines of scope of work might be eight, maybe 10 lines scope of work so i want to be as generic as possible so that when the inspector comes he's looking at a generic uh, uh wording that i have there so that i know he's going to give me that monies that i need to continue what i'm doing so i can get my project moving forward but for myself i don't really do draws we could maybe talk about that a little later my drawing uh my my drawers is a bit done differently because normally i do one draw and that's normally at the end of the project but we can talk about that uh in a little bit if you want well is that just the scope of work that you're kind of minimizing is that just for the bank or the hard money lender and do you have a separate scope of work with the contractor that really itemizes everything that needs to be done yes and yes and no um, I know that, uh, the way I deal with contractors, I think is a bit unorthodox than most people, because obviously dealing with contractors is one of them is they can make or break your business. And a lot of the fears that people have, which I've gone through when contractors either ran off with the money or did not do the quality of work that I needed them to be done. And there was no recourse, uh, um, um, for getting your money's back. And also, um, uh, the, the dealing with a contractor that gave you a price initially, and then through the process of doing the work, they then wanted to change the pricing. And if you weren't willing to do that, they would either say they're not continuing or you have to come up with the money. So I approach contractors and I deal with them a bit differently. Um, that keeps them in line. So I don't have problems with, with, with contractors, uh, as far as getting my jobs done. 
So you think just because of your how you build that first like relationship with them, it you don't have to go into a huge detail scope of work because you've already built that trust. Is that what you're saying? I guess. Yes and no. Here's yeah. the thing. Once again, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. That's what the people are here for. It's not because they like you. They're here to make money, right? If you know, if you know and understand how to control the money, you're going to control your project. So the way in the manner in which I talk in my courses and stuff like that to the manner and how I handle a contractor, the contractor can't do nothing to me. They can't rob a penny from me. And I'll even pay a contractor 100% up front. I don't care. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. So, Welby, I mean, you, you've given us so much information on, on kind of how you've put everything together. I think the last piece that I want to go back to uh, before we wrap up here is just the, the financing piece. So you talked a lot about hard money. Is that how you're funding most of your most of your flips? 
most of my flips I'm doing hard money, correct? And then now I have private money that I, I started in, um, um, introducing it to my business as well. So they give me better terms and um, um, I'm able to uh, um, I, I'm able to cut a lot of the red tape. Uh, um, so I, I do a mixture of both. And then sometimes if it's necessary, I have cash as well. I have plenty of cash. So sometimes I'll even use that temporarily. So I, those are some of the options that I have. So I, I think every um, every new investor's dream, especially for those that are flipping houses, is to use private money, right? It's typically easier, like you said, less red tape than, than hard money. So can you just kind of give us a quick crash course on how you were able to find that hard money lender and then kind of what those terms look like and how you're able to manage that relationship? Um, to be easy, uh, a good friend of mine, we uh, uh, Mark, Mark McMahon, um, Mark and uh, it's, a, it's another couple of guys. Uh, uh, Dan USA Land Ventures and Full Auto D Gerald. We actually have a, uh, a, a a mentorship group that we put together called uh, Campfire Real Estate. So watch out for that. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, but Mark, he's actually the one that educated me. Once again, I don't know everything. I like to be in a room with people that are smarter than me or I respect. And he's the one that educated me on the private money. Uh, um, um, side of the business. So what, what happened is I train a lot of people in this business. I've trained a lot of people and a lot of people I've helped train are multimillionaires themselves in this business. Now, one of my students, believe it or not, has become my private money lender, one of my private money lenders. So you imagine for everybody that doesn't think that this real estate business is possible for you. One of my students was 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 brand new just like you guys he put his head down and worked 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 and he put himself in a position to become one of my private money lenders what the the, the way we structured that business deal um i was actually able to buy two multi-units actually the beginning of this year Jan the, uh, sometime early february i was able to buy uh one commercial property and a four unit uh, building, but but the commercial property is also residential, and I was able to buy both of those properties for four hundred ninety five thousand dollars using all private money. So I was able to walk into that property not coming out of pocket a single dime out of my own pocket. The private money lender funded that for me. Reason I was able to do that is because the the value of those properties combined is going to be roughly around one point one one point two million dollars for the two properties that I purchased. Um, so. Uh, I put him in, uh, I put him, he doesn't have, he, I put him on the insurance, but the contractual agreement that we had was 10% on an annual percentage rate on those mm -hmm. two, on, on those, on those, between those two properties. So the mortgage on that interest only was roughly $4,125 per month interest only. But don't forget, I didn't put up any money buying these properties. I just got the first, the fourth family just got finished renovated. And I'm actually putting a mortgage on it now. And then the five, the, the commercial unit building should hopefully be done in the next month. And I'll be putting a mortgage on those. Given the fact of how I was able to buy them, if I could break those two down separately, the, the four unit building that I bought for the 240 is valued at 400,000. The banks will want 70, will, will be willing to give me a mortgage of 70% of the 400,000, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's roughly around 280,000. But I'm, but I, but I'm all out of pocket 240,000. So all I want is the 240,000. I don't care about cat, mm -hmm. uh, um, um, doing, uh, the bird strategy or doing any of the, uh, uh, cash out, like refi. getting cash out refi. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I focus on 
what my cash flow is. So my that building is going to be netting me with a mortgage of around $1,700, right? With none of my own money out of pocket, that mortgage will be around $1,700 on a building that's going to be cash flowing $4,800 per month. So I think that's a beautiful win. The five, the five unit building, which is a commercial building, which I paid 255,000, the structure was exactly the same. That building is going to be netting me, excuse me, grossing me with over $6,350 a month on a mortgage of $1,800. I, I just want to ask real quick, what are like for our rookie listeners, what are the main upgrades or the main value adds they should be doing so that they're getting these great returns that you are? Mm-hmm. What I would tell people to do in, in the rentals is have the attitude, would you live here? Too many rookie people, too many landlords have an attitude of, I'm not going to live here, so I don't care. So they think it's sufficient enough to just slap paint on the wall, and who cares? I'm not living here. That's going to give you the quality of the tenants that you're going to have, and it's also going to then limit to the increase of the rents that you're going to have. My apartments, when I'm acquiring these properties, these apartments are distressed, one more time, and or underperforming. So these same apartments that I'm that I bought, for example, the fourth family were being rented for six hundred and twenty five dollars three months ago. By the time I finish, the, the the apartment is is pretty much fully rented now, and everybody's paying one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for the same apartment that was being rented for half that price. I put in updated kitchens. If the kitchens can be refurbished, I I don't rip them out. I clean them up and I do professional paints on them. I put uh, laminate floors, waterproof laminate flooring. I, uh, um, 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 oh, one of the big things I tell everybody to do, install recessed lights throughout the apartment. It's inexpensive, but what the effects will be at the tenant when they walk into the apartment, it brightens everything up. Then I don't rip, I don't rip down walls. I try to fix what's existing. So I'm sure a lot of the rookies that are going to go into these apartments, you're going to see these wood panel walls. People are going to rip those out. I never rip them out. I fix them. After I fix them, I get them primered and then I do a beautiful paint job on them. What happens is, is that it beautifies the apartment and because the, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the wood paneling, it gives, it gives character to the walls. Mm-hmm. I change all the outlets and switches. And I, I give love. That's what I honestly do. So I, my attitude is, would I live here by the time I'm done? And it's, yeah, I would live here. Also, I want to give something else that's very important. My business model for how I do, because people are going to ask me, how much is it that I'm looking for in terms of cash flow? In the manner of how I'm buying in the area that I'm in, I put 20, well, today's market's going to be 25%. I put a minimum of 25% down. I'm looking for a property that's distressed and or underperforming so I can add value to it. Given the fact I'm buying the, the rental distressed and or underperforming, the value of it, the equity is already built in because I bought it for the right price. I put in, I, I invest the money to rehab that property. Most of my, pretty much all of my rental properties that are three units or more, one third of the property covers all expenses. The other two thirds is pure profit. So I give an example of a three family that I have. I purchased the property. Um, the property was worth 300,000. I bought it for uh, 150. I put down 20% down. I financed 130,000. 
the mortgage, especially before the interest rate went up, the mortgage was is is one. Uh, excuse me, nine hundred and. $947. I got receipts, people. I can show you exactly what I'm talking about. I got receipts. And I love how well you know your, your numbers too, Welby. Like that, and like, you know, and so many. Yeah. Before you own it, before I own the property, I can tell you how much money I'm going to make off of that property in my pocket. Mm -hmm. So that building is, uh, uh, my mortgage on it is $947. That's including taxes, insurance, uh, 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 um, maintenance, everything. So let's just round it to $1,000. The first floor, I'm getting $1,500 on the first floor. So just off of that one unit, I'm already netting $600 a month. Second floor, I get $1,300. The third floor, I get $1,300. So just off of that building alone, in my pocket, after all expenses, I'm putting $3,000 plus a month in my pocket. Now, here's the trick. Remember, I told you guys, I put down $30,000 to acquire that property. The way I, I handle my, 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 my contractors, it, what will cost the average person to, re, person to rehab that property costs me minimal. This takes time of building these relationships. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. My goal is I gotta, I gotta recoup back the money it costs me to acquire this property. I'm not making no money until that $30,000, let's make it $40,000 to make it even better, I'm not making any money until that $40,000 is back in my account. Mm. You talk to the average person, that $40,000 based off of the way that they're acquiring and buying is going to take them on average six, seven years, barring no issues. Tenants not paying, roof not leaking, boiler breaks, right? On average, it's taking me roughly around 18 months or less to recoup back my initial investment. So now... I had to go look about six months ago. I look at the last seven properties that I own. I have none of my money in those properties. Yeah. Every one of those properties, every one of those properties have given me back what it cost me to acquire them and then some. So in the last year, two years, all the monies I make is pure profit. And then you know what I'm doing now with the money that is generating, I don't have to flip as many houses as often as I was having to do before because what it cost me to acquire a rental, I'm doing it monthly, more than that. Mm. So you want to know what? You know what I'm going to do when we talk about sacrificing, right? I'm not going to buy me a new car this month or I'm not going to go on that trip this month. I'm not going to do it for the next two months. I'm going to save up. X amount of money based off of my cash flow so I can buy me another baby so I can add to the cash flow. <laughs> yeah. It's a machine, right? And as you start to build it, it starts to feed itself, right? It, it starts it, to feed itself. But like you said, well, but you got you to gotta sacrifice for that short term to be able to reach that point because I think so many people, they see the, the cash flow or they see the number of doors, but they don't see the sacrifice that happened behind closed doors to be able to get to that point. So It's worth well, it. It's worth it. I tell everybody, I'm sorry, it's worth it. I encourage everybody, it's worth it. It's worth the fight. It's worth the long days. It's, it's worth the arguments. It's worth the doubt. It's worth it. Just don't stop. 
So, Welby, before we wrap here, first, uh, we just want to thank you, man. You've been like a a wealth of knowledge. And again, I just think your strategy of flipping to create capital, uh, using hard money, using private money, and and just using that to kind of build this machine is a strategy that every rookie should should seriously, seriously consider. So before we wrap up, though, we have a a few more things we want to hit with you. First is our rookie exam. So this is the test that we make every guest pass. And, um, you know, if you don't pass, Welby, fingers crossed, right? Um, but what we're going to jump into it. So the first question is what's one actionable thing that Ricky should do after listening to this episode right now, uh, go download my free ebook. That's the first thing that you should do. I give the whole, I give a really strong play on exactly what I do. So Mm. I would definitely do that. And I would say the most important thing, getting the money is the easy part. Buying the property is the easy part. Anybody can do that. Please educate yourself. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. That should be the first thing. Okay, Welby, the second question is, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you can't live without? Is it your phone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) My phone. My phone. My phone. It's everything. Definitely my phone. You had mentioned um, that uh, an app or a software that you use earlier too for your business. Do you maybe you can um, email that to us later, and we can include it into the show notes. It's, I remember it now. The program oh, okay. is called it's called Flipper Force. Okay, uh, that's Thank really you. good for keeping. That's very good for keeping track of of uh, your your expenses. And then what's beautiful at the end of it, when you're completed with the project, it'll tally up for you and it'll tell you exactly how much money is it that you're going to profit after you finish selling, paying the realtor and everything else Mm -hmm. like that. So flipper force. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And then last question for you, Welby, where do you plan on being or where do you see yourself five years from now? I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. That's it. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be bigger and better than anybody else. Um, um, I just want to run my own race. I want to take care of the people that I love. Um, um, I like cars, you know, I'm not, you know, so if I want to go and get the, well, I, I want to get that other, that Lamborghini truck. I just want to just go get it. Just go get, that's what I want to do. And I want to help. I want to help people. I really believe that the market is going to be changing horribly soon. And they're going to need people that's going to navigate them through this, you know? So I hope I can be a beacon for a lot of people to help them navigate through this because it's going to be a great, 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 great opportunity for people to really become wealthy in this business if they position themselves and take advantage of the opportunity that's coming. Because if you're not, you're going to get ran right over. So uh, I hope I'm a, I could be a beacon to a lot of people. I, I think so, because uh, you definitely passed our, our rookie exam there, Welby. So uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yes. We want to give a shout out before we end to this week's rookie rock star, who is Mason M. Uh, so Mason finally officially closed on his first flip. Uh, he used private money to do so, and he ended up actually losing $1,000 on this flip. So the purchase price was thirty thousand. The rehab was twenty thousand, and he sold it for seventy thousand cash. But there is an opportunity cost here because Mason learned some lessons. Rural markets are harder to comp for ARV due to fewer recent sales, and he should have spent more time on his own numbers instead of trusting the realtor's numbers. And although he is handy and could do all the work himself, uh, he made a rookie mistake 
that caused uh, redundancies and the value of time has never been more clear to him than it is now after completing this flip. So Mason, uh, first of all, we made you the rookie rock star because you actually told us about you know, a, a loss, a deal that went bad, but you you took the the positives out of it, the lessons learned and that opportunity cost. So um, I hope that you're sharing this with us because you're going to keep going and you're going to do the next one and use the lessons that you learned to continue. So um, thanks for sharing that with us, Mason. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Taking action, getting that experience. Um, think about how much people pay for courses and material to College. learn how to flip a house and you just paid a thousand bucks. <laughs> to get right. that hands-on experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Welby, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find out a little bit more information about you and possibly reach out to you? Um, my my Instagram is at my best one nine seven. That's A T M Y B E S T one nine seven. And um you can also click the link in my bio and you'll be able to see all of the um um the, the courses that I have, uh, the, the free ebook, definitely go ch check out the free ebook. And, um, you can also go to my website at my best 197.com. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how you can find me. Rookie listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you took a lot of value from this episode. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J Robinson on Instagram. And we'll be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.